see my great, 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 great grandfather was there. Uh, those kind of things naturally uh, has even you know, monetary interest. You know, this is the place. Come and visit. Donation boxes here, uh, like that. Uh, such things are certainly going on and are going on. But there is also the uh, biographers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who were his principal dedicated devotees, who were very eager to write down things as they were. Therefore, amongst the biographies of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we accept the first biography of Murari Gupta, who was a close associate of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He was about 15 years older. Murari was daily meeting with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And, uh, So the Murari uh, Gupta was a uh, was about fifteen years older than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was a youth, he was acting as a great scholar, and he was mainly interested in Sanskrit grammar and logic and arguing in various ways. And Murari would daily come and daily argue with him. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Nimai, would daily defeat him, daily. And then he would say, Murari, Murari, just go back to your books and try again. <laughs> and Murari would go back to his books and come next, back the next day with new arguments. And, and this was an ongoing relationship. Later, later, we're seeing an interaction between Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Murari, and we're finding that Murari was a devotee of Lord Ramachandra, and that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, now no longer Nimai, but now have revealed himself as a devotee, now, uh, now he is asking Murari to give up his devotion to Ram and to focus on Krishna. Murari tried. Murari tried the entire night. The entire night. And in the morning, he fell at the feet of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and he said, It is better that I die because, because I cannot give up my Lord Ramachandra and I cannot disobey your order. So let me. Lord 
orchards on your feet and among them, and he wrote on his forehead, you are Ramdas, you are Hanuman, you know, and in this way we see that amongst the associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, many personalities returned from that had been performed or had been present in the past times of previous incarnations. Um, and in this case, Moraidut is identified as, as Hanuman. Anyway, Hanuman is the personality who is the emblem of Dasya, of servitorship, and, and that is what he stands for. So Murari had that same spirit, uh, that same spirit of complete dedication. And uh, so the first day we spoke from his biography. And what I took from there was particularly from the first chapter, how the elders came to Navadvi. And all the elders that appeared a generation before Chaitanya sometimes even two generations, like Advaita Acharya, who was 53 years older. And then we had Pundarik Vijanidi, Gopinath Acharya, and we had so many amazing personalities, Chandrasekhar Acharya, all contemporaries of the generation of the parents of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Thakur. So these are all the elders. Uh, later, Later, um, I didn't discuss that here, but recently, because I, wherever I am at the moment, I'm speaking about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in order to increase my absorption. And that is the whole purpose of these discussions. Uh, these discussions are simply to increase our absorption in the phenomena of the appearance of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, what it means. So, we dedicated one session to the Chaitanya Chandramrita, which is a book written by Prabodhananda Saraswati. When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu traveled to South India after Sanyas, he traveled six years to South India, he came to Sri Lanka. That was the time of the rainy season. Uh, during the rainy season, sannyasis would not travel. They would simply uh, stay in one place. And because of that, they would then also perform austerity. Uh, take some vows and fast and extra chanting and all these things. So during that time, he met with a great scholar, Venkatabhati, who was major priest in the Sri Sampadai, in the temple in Sri Lanka. And uh, his son was Gopalbhata, who later came to Vrindavan, became one of the six Goswamis. His brother was Prabodhananda Saraswati, a sannyasi, who Gopalbhata's uncle, who wrote also a book called Chaitanya and that is a book that's very strong. In there, we remember uh, the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was highlighted. And I dedicated one session of our discussion to that, to the mercy. For 
example, he said things, what benefit did the world attain when Lord Varaha lifted the earth from the Garbhagam ocean? What benefit did the world attain when Kapiladev explained Sankhya philosophy, which determines the difference between spirit and matter systematically? What benefit did the world attain when Kapiladev explained this philosophy? What benefit did the world attain when Lord Nasringadev and Lord Ramachandra killed so many demons, so many daicha? What benefit did the world attain? Well, we say many benefits, many benefits. Think about it. The Ramayana was spoken. Think about it. All these demons were killed. Think about it. The principles of Dharma were established in the world. What would have become of the world if Lord Ramachandra had not appeared? Oh, when Lord Varaha lifted the earth, he saved the very earth. Um, uh, so if we look at all these, these incarnations, we can think of benefits. But, Bhogananda is pointing out, all such benefits are bleak in comparison to what Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did. Because Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was not just giving the truth, was not just giving the proper understanding of religion. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave pure, unalloyed love for Krishna to all. Therefore, that is his uh, unique contribution. And not only did he give that, that was available before. It was. It, um, but difficult to find, Prabhupada said. He said, one will not find it in the Vedas. Even so many gurus could not teach that. What Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught. Um, that pure love of God as experienced by the residents of Vrindavan, unknown to many. So, um, all that is the unique gift of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Now, today is the last lecture in this series, and then I'll give you one more lecture on Gorpalim, but that will be uh, a free form will not be part of this series. So therefore today um, I am going to the, the ultimate of all the biographies, the crown jewel of all the biographies, by far, the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Why the Chaitanya Charitamrita is, is the topmost? Um, there are there's Murari Guptas, there's Kavikarnapurs, there's Vrindavandastakurs, Chaitanya Bhagavat, Chaitanya Charitamrita. In, in the beginning, in chapter 8, in the first seven chapters, Chaitanya Charitamrita describes the Panchitattva, describes how Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared along with five other tattvas. I'll do that in a moment. Then in the 8th chapter, it describes the, uh, the, the 
writer became inspired and authorized to write the Chaitanya Charitamrita. So, Abhileva chapter 8 begins like this. In the temple of Sisi Radha Govinda, in Vrindavan, Sisi Radha Govinda are seated on a golden throne under a desire tree. And under the roots of that desire tree, there are many jewels. Sisi Radha Govinda were worshipped in a gorgeous temple, in a gorgeous temple in Vrindavan. Daily, thousands of devotees would assemble in that place. And in the evenings, every evening, these devotees would hear from one book, Chaitanya Bhagavat, which was the pastimes of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu recorded by Vrindavan Dastakur. And oh, Vrindavan Dastakur in great detail covered everything, and not only that, Vrindavan Dastakur described in great detail all the ecstatic symptoms of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, his devotees, their interactions, and the Chaitanya Charitamrita, the Chaitanya Bhagavat, is an ocean of wealth. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur said one should read the Chaitanya Bhagavat 100 times. something to do. Uh, it, is, it is like that important. And yet, today, we're just describing Why? We are now going to the same Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. It said Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur was in Assam. At that time, he was lecturing in a particular hall. And just then, as the lecture was going on, there was a serious earth tremor. Just one. But it caused a flash flood. And suddenly the river just flooded beyond its banks and the whole area got flooded. Somehow or other, was in a, in a building which was on a higher on higher ground. So it could get affected, but all around the entire area was underwater. So Shilabhakti Siddhanta changed his lecture and he just began to speak about the Mahapralaya. The Mahapralaya is a description of the final dissolution of the universe when from the bottom of the universe the waters rise and everything is flooded. Right. So um, in this way Siddhartha said yes and when the Mahapralaya comes what will you do? What will you do? Said, you grab your, va your valuables just try to get the higher ground. Yeah. That's sort of what you do in, in a total crisis. Um, so, what do you grab? He said, you grab Bhagavad Gita, you grab 
Srimad Bhagavatam and you grab Chaitanya Charitamrita and with all these you walk out wading through the water going to higher grounds. So when it becomes too difficult to carry all these books then gotta let something go. Alright, let the Bhagavad Gita go. And one arm Bhagavatam, one arm Chaitanya Charitamrita, your treasures. Oh yes. And with these treasures walking, wading through the water, oh, fatigue sets in. What to do? If you have to let something go, what to let go now? All right, let the Bhagavatam go. He said, and take the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Because from that, everything can be restored. In that temple, in Vrindavan, where thousand devotees had assembled and listened to the Chaitanya Bhagavad daily, there was a very senior priest. He was very advanced, very advanced. And he, he was the head pujari in that temple. This head pujari, he had been around disciple was also a great devotee. Then one day, this great personality asked Krishna's Kaviraj to write, to please write about the later pastimes of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Why Krishna's Kaviraj? He hadn't even been there. Why ask him? Rari Gupta was an eyewitness. How are you talking? He met Chaitanya Mahaprabhu daily. That's what, who could write, who could be a better biographer? Here is Krishna's copyright. He never even met, he never even met Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And they're asking him to write to him. Why? That is the first question. The answer to that question is that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he had gone to Jagannath Puri upon the request of his mother. He spent 18 years, the last 18 years of his life as a sannyasi in Jagannath Puri. For the first six out of those 18 years, every year, the devotees from Bengal would come. Oh, every year, a large party would travel. In some biographies it said thousands, thousands of devotees who traveled with Sivananda Sain. Sivananda Sain was an organizer and, uh, and a, a sharp personality, capable. Sivananda Sain was bringing all these devotees across. Uh, there were difficulties. One year they came at the border of Orissa and they were stopped by tax collectors. Everyone has to pay. Sivananda saying he was negotiating and then he refused to pay. Refused. They couldn't come to an agreement. So then the devotees were getting very restless, naturally, because they were eager to go and meet Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, so they couldn't wait. So that made the whole border guards 
very nervous. So they called a, uh, a superior uh, a minister who came to the, to the place. And the minister had Shivananda Singh arrested. Shivananda Singh, he was arrested. Transcendental is more important that the spiritual 
reality is more important than the material reality where we are now. Okay, I mean that is is quite advanced for us, and if we would go all those steps right, and progress, we would progress uh, well a long way from where we are. This is something we're striving for. Last 12 years went into a whole different realm. He disconnected practically from all external considerations. Nothing could touch him anymore. He didn't care about it anymore. He didn't care whether he lived or died. Every moment intensely absorbed in remembering Krishna. Like that. Yeah. Totally. And that is the Krishna consciousness that he was was teaching. And now he was teaching, he, now he was teaching in these last 12 years by his extraordinary example. Earlier we had seen how, well in these last 12 years then, there were only a few personalities with him. Ramananda Roy, Swarupdamara Goswami, who were very intimate, and Ramanadas Goswami, who was under the care of Swarupdamara Goswami. Now, Swarupdamara Goswami kept a diary of those last 12 years, and that diary is lost. It disappeared. But, because Ramanadas was under his guidance, Raghunathas memorized that diary. This is explained by Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. He writes that in his introduction to his commentary on the Brahma Sanghita. So that's where the evidence is found. So that is interesting. And therefore, Raghunathas was recognized as an authority. Then Raghunathas went to Vindavan. Raghunathas lived in Vrindavan and went to the place where Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had discovered earlier two places, Radhakund and Shamakund, which, which were lost, two ponds in a field. But he identified them, took baths in them. Then Raghunathas stayed there, and then Raghunathas later on, somehow or other, by an arrangement of Krishna, there was a wealthy, wealthy, man who was on the way to Haridwar to give a large donation. Then he had a dream, and in the dream he was told he should go to Radhakund in Vrindavan and give that donation to Raghunathas. And Raghunathas also had a dream that he should excavate and build gods. So then the donation came, and then Raghunathas organized the work. And at that time, Krishidas Kaviraj Goswami also lived there. Krishidas Kaviraj, Krishidas was his name. Kaviraj is a title that was given later. The title Kaviraj is a title that is often given to Vaichas, to doctors in Ayurveda. They are often referred to as Kaviraj because Kavi means learned. And Raj, okay, king, so a very, or 
Raj also means influential, just like you know, a king is called Maharaj, a sannyasi is called Maharaj. It's not that the sannyasi is called uh, Maha, great, and Raj king, you know, the Ramakana, great king. My name is Maharaj, right? No, it's not that. It is rather one of his great influence. Raj means also. So Kaviraj, a great learned personality who has great influence. Yes. And Ayurvedic doctors are called by that title. But also great, great poets and learned scholars. And Krishnadas Kaviraj wrote the Govinda Lilamrita which is a book that describes the pastimes of Krishna in Vrindavan and very transcendental. Talking about Radhakund, he describes Radhakund different than we see it. We see what is left of the gods of Raghunath. We see the steps, we see temples that were built there, but what, uh, what Krishna's Kaviraj describes in Govinda Lilamrita is four jeweled swings on the corner, a jeweled palace in the middle of Radhakund, and a bridge going there. Well, I didn't see that. Uh, you know, I mean, I got pictures, but my phone didn't catch that. Yeah. But Krishna's Kaviraj did. Yes. So, for the Govinda Vilamrita, the Vaishnavas gave Krishna's the title Kaviraj. So, Krishna's was therefore a great writer. Not only a great writer, but a writer of the deepest caliber. Krishna does had stayed in Vrindavan for a long time already under the guidance of the Goswamis of Vrindavan. Therefore, Krishna does was very learned in the works of the Goswamis. Krishna does he knew everything about teachings of Rupa Goswami, Sanatana Goswami had studied all their works. So he was Jiva Goswami. Krishna Das was a powerful representative of the whole Goswami school of thought. So that was one. He was a great writer. Kaviraj. That was two. And he had heard from Raghunathas at Radhakund, who he served heard about the diary of Surutamada. And that was something all those thousands of devotees in the radical in the temple who were daily assembling and hearing the Chaitanya Bhagavat wanted to hear. Oh yes. They wanted to know about those final pastimes. So they asked him, please write about the final pastimes of Sri Chaitanya and oh, Krishna went to work. He went to work. It is said that he started his Chaitanya Charitamrita, writing it in 1576, and he completed it only in 1615. It took a long time. No wonder, no computers. No database, nothing, right? Everything just by hand, all cross-referencing just from manuscripts, 
You know how it is, like, you know, you go back to that, it slows things down considerably. Also, uh, not one library, like the New York Library, something, you know, where it is all in one place, but manuscripts being scattered in places, people that helped him and brought things to him. Just to collect all the scriptures that he used as evidence, and that he used to construct the Chaitanya Charitamrita. That was not just a matter of, uh, of you know, uh, yeah. Now I've got a lot of these books on my computer, yeah, all translated into English, and you know I just have like a big directory, and many of the books, the books that he had on his desk. I just got them sitting in one directory, you know, just like, and I can search them. Uh, I just do the search on it, and like, <laughs> the hits just show up, and uh, and he has to do it all by hand and with the help of other Vaishnavas. So, Krishnadas wrote the Chaitanya Charitamrita, as I said. The first seven chapters are describing the Panchatantra. very quickly explained, are also described from Saruk Damodar's diary, and I discussed that already earlier, that in the Chaitanya, uh, in the Gauragana's Deepika of Kavikarnapur, the verse and the explanation of the Panchatantra up for the first time. Do you remember, those of you who, who remembers that? Nobody. Okay. I'll do it quickly because I want to move on. So, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna, the original Supreme Personality of Godhead, the reservoir of all other Lord Nichananda is Balaram. He is the direct extension of, uh, of Krishna. Not different from Krishna. Same potency, but a different mood. He is... Krishna is Savior Bhagavan. The Lord who is served. Everyone serves Krishna. Balaram is Sevak Bhagavan. He who serves the Lord. So, Chaitanya is Krishna and Balaram is Nityananda. Same Lord, but now in the mood of a servant. Avetokcharya is the incarnation of the Lord. As an incarnation, his power is a little less. He is still uh, the Supreme Lord. Oh, he can show forearms anytime. He can kill any demon. He has the Sudarshan Chakra, the ultimate weapon. With that weapon, Lord Vishnu can defeat anyone. There is no weapon that stands up against Sudarshan. But we discussed that Advaita Acharya was the Supreme Personality of Godhead who worshipped the Shaligram Shiva, a stone, 
which is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, to make the Supreme Personality of Godhead appear. God worships God to make God appear. That's the That's the story, basically. Why is Advaita Acharya, who is God, worshipping a stone, deity of God, to make God appear? Um, does it make sense? Does it? It does, because Advaita Acharya, as the incarnation, can do what the Bhagavad Gita said. Paritanaya sadhanam vinasyaduskitam sadhanam samsatanati To establish the principles of religion, to annihilate demons, that he can do. But he cannot do what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu can do with pure love of God in the unalloyed mood of the residents of Vrindavan. Therefore, Advaita Acharya, he wanted that. He didn't want to kill any demons. He didn't want to establish any principles of religion. He said, we have enough of that. We have enough religion in the world. Right? No. This time, we don't want religion. This time, we want love. We want the ultimate, the pinnacle of love. That is what we want. Therefore, Vajra Charlie worshipped the Shalagam Shiva to make Krishna appear and Lord Chaitanya appeared. The form of Krishna in which he is the most Ah, then two more personalities, Gadada, who is an expansion of Srimata Radharani, the Shakti Tattva. Srimata Radharani is Ladini Shakti, she is the pleasure potency of Krishna. And there are, are many expansions of Radharani also, Lalita, Vishaka, they are expansions of Radharani. They are not jivas, not living beings like us. They are transcendental pleasure potency. And then the living beings represented by Srimas. <coughs> okay, this is... So these five truths always exist. Now, Srila Prabhupada calls this the, the Lord in five features. Panchatattva, he describes it in five features. So that's interesting. How is it? Now, look at us. We have an altar, we have deities on the altar. We could put all the deities on the altar. Okay? And then, we are on this side. We are the living entities, the jivas. We are on this side of the altar. Okay? We are looking at the altar, we are praying to the altar, bowing down to the altar. But in the Panchatattva, we see that the living being is now emancipated to the same level as the Supreme Lord. The, the emancipated living being is not in front of the altar, is on the altar, <coughs> is with the Lord. That's where we actually belong, in our actual state. We don't belong here in another world, praying to God from a distance. We belong in that unit of the Panchatattva. So 
That is an amazing feature of the Panishad Tattva. And through the process <coughs> of chanting the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, which appeared along with Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Navadvipa and was widely spread everywhere, that was his mission. Through that process, one can attain that emancipated state and just be on the altar. And the altar is no different from the spiritual world. Is there any pujaris over there? <laughs> we can let them know they are right now in the spiritual world. We ordinary mortals are still here in the material domain. But they on the other side of the curtain, it's happening. The spiritual world. Can he stay there? Not yet. Um, but eventually, um, the living entity can come to that level of being eternal feature of the Lord, a tiny part and parcel that is fully that fully blossoms in Krishna brain. Okay, that's the Panchatantra. First seven chapters done. Then we quick then we see an important thing in the Adi Vela. We see the Chaitanya tree. I described chapter eight, the author. Now I describe the Chaitanya tree. This tree is described over four chapters and it's basically a genealogical tree of how the movement of Chaitanya spread, and you see many branches of how it spread and many names are given. And people generally look at these chapters and think, oh, these chapters are meant to um, show how, how his movement grew. Yes, and also something else. It also shows who's in and who's out. So it also puts a fence around Chaitanya's movement. Because that you don't hear very often, but that's my understanding. You know, that's, I'm contributing that to the discussion. Makes sense. To me, that it has a it's a double-edged sword. That there is obviously, if your name is not there, you could not have been very prominent. <laughs> and there are plenty of people who are ready to claim in Urissa. There is there are some there are five personalities who claim we are the five friends, the Panchasaka, the five friends of Chaitanya, not disciples, not followers. Friends. And these five friends, it is said, they were very influential. If you look at Oriya history, you'll find that there is an era of 150 years which was controlled by the literature of the uh, Panchasaka. So that's quite something. And they wrote on Oriya Bhagavat, Jagannathas. And Jagannathas wrote the Oriya Bhagavat. And it had a 13th canto. And the 13th, the Bhagavad usually has 12. So how was it that it had a 13th canto? Well, that was his commentary. And he gave, basically, a Sunyavat explanation of Bhagavad, which is Buddhist philosophy, that everything is zero. So we find that this Oriya Bhagavad, they give the whole Bhagavad, everything, go through the whole thing, and at the end, 
Buddhist explanation how everything is sunya. It's interesting how this thing came about. And uh, now, of course, at the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Orissa, 50% of Orissa was tribal. So it was not a state which was a stronghold of Brahminical culture. Therefore, Orissa, in one sense, Buddhism had fertile ground in Orissa. As Buddhism was spreading over India, some places obviously were easier to take, and it became a stronghold of, of, of Buddhism there. Now, East Bengal, also on the northern side, had a strip which became a stronghold. Anyway, Buddhism was, in due course, driven out of by uh, Sankaracharya. Uh, and a last stronghold of Buddhism was, uh, was uh, driven out by the son of Nichananda, Virabhadra, who uh, actually converted two and a half thousand initiated, two and a half thousand Buddhists. And scholars say, this was the, the, the final death blow to Buddhism in India. <coughs> After that, gone. Two and a half thousand initiated into Chaitanya Vaishnavism, according to T.C. Sen, uh, scholar. Um, anyway, so. Panchasaka, they were one day Jagannathas, the leader of the Panchasaka, the five friends of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Jagannathpur, came to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, wanted to read his Bhagavatam. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, Oh, oh, I can, I'm not qualified to hear this. I'm not qualified to hear this. Your commentary is Ati Bari, it is too great. It is too great. So this Jagannathas took it as a title and he went around the world with the title Jagannathas Too Great. <laughs> that in itself, right, is like, you know, exposes anyone as a fool. You walk around it's like, I'm Mr. Too Great, you know. <laughs> if you miss the great, it's one thing, but Mr. Too Great, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like, so Jagannath walked around with the title, Jagannath Das Atibari. And at the time of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, there were, you know, which is like 18, 1850 and onwards, there were 15,000 Atibaris in both Orissa and Bengal. Yeah. This is again the idea how it grew. So they're a big thing. So these are some of the offshoots of the Chaitanya, uh, of, of those who claim connections with Chaitanya, that were not exactly bona fide. There's another story about Jagannath Sentan going strong. Jagannath then, he was having Ras Lila pastimes with ladies of married men. So this became a problem and a complaint reached Maharaj Prataparuda. So Maharaj Prataparuda, all right, all right, pull it over, hands on the car, and all that, <laughs> and all those things. And then, you know, uh, Jagannathas 
went on with the ladies. And Jagannath said, When I'm with the men, I'm one of them. When I'm with the ladies, I'm one of them. The, the king didn't buy that. <laughs> and put him in the jail. Now the Atibaris have a history. In their history book, Jagannath Das in the jail became a woman, and then the king let him out, and then later one of the queens became the disciple of Jagannath and gave him a palace. We don't believe that part, but it is true, they do have a palace, which was given by one of the queens. Anyway. So is history. Anyway, this is just to illustrate how there were all kinds of that claim to be branches of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and that Krishna is just basically put a fence around and said, sorry, you guys are out. Right? So it's important that the fence is there. Yeah, the rest of the Anivila, I'm not going to give it much time, it describes the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as early pastime, childhood pastime, and it basically deals with the divinity. It is very much establishing Chaitanya's Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's divinity, miracles happen and so on. Because divinity, generally, we're looking for miracles, right? That's confirmation. So this first part deals with the divinity. Then Ali Lila, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu takes sannyas. After sannyas, he has changed. Now he's full of love of God. He is like an ecstatic devotee and he becomes a powerful preacher. And he is at the same time experiences internal uh, is, there's this internal search for Krishna and his eagerness is just overwhelming. A highlight in this Madhya Lila, this middle part of the Chaitanya Charitamri, is the Ratiyatra. At that Ratiyatra, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is actually is, is in front of the temple. Ratiyatra in India, the chariot festival of Lord Jagannath is something that, what can I say, it's, it's Indian, you know. So, in India, time has no limits, nobody cares about time, and it's like, you know. So, this, so, this Rati has been going on for thousands of years. So, over the thousands of years, they figured it out. There is no official time that the Rati begins. In that way, you're never late. So, <laughs> it's just every year, devotees are waiting in front of the gate of the giant temple, the lion gate. And, you know, they, they do kirtan, and they're waiting and waiting, and you never know when Jagannath's going to come out. Sometimes, sometimes sooner, sometimes later, and he's carried by powerful wrestlers, big guys with muscles, and he's lifted by ropes, and from silken cushion to silken cushions, then pulled upon a ramp, and sometimes the, he's leaning backwards, and the, the brahmanas admonish him and say, Lord Jagannath, this is not the time to take rest! Mount <laughs> your chariot! And they just push him forward, somehow or other on the chariot. So this is annually going on. The year that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was there at the time of Ratiyatra. The kirtan was going on. And like every year, 
The devotees were waiting with great eagerness and enthusiasm, waiting for the Lord to come out of the Simhadwara, out of the Lion Gate. Meanwhile, this year, Lord Jagannath himself was, was experiencing great eagerness. He wanted to go out. He wanted to have the darshan of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Therefore, this year, Radhiyatra started early. People were astonished, never before, so quickly did Jagannath come out of the gate. But there he already was. And yes, he was carried by the daichas who lifted him on the silken cushions up the ramp and up the chariots. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and then, yes, the Kirtan began. They were pulling the chairs and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu danced. And he threw himself in the air and he just came crashing down. And then he just like threw himself in the air again and danced in ways so, so above everyone else. He just jumped so high. Just seeing him like flying up and coming back down and then spinning so fast. It says arms were like a firebrand, like a close circle. So fast. This dancing was just out of this world all the time, all the time. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was in ecstasy. He was bringing back, bringing back Krishna to Vrindavan. In the mood of Sri Mati Radharani, now Krishna, now Krishna himself, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, was in the mood of Radharani, pulling back, pulling back Krishna to Vrindavan, who had left for Dwarka. But now enough. You, living like a prince, living like a king, enough of that. Huh. No, we will not wait any longer. We are here in Kuruksetra. From Dwarka Krishna went to Kuruksetra because there was a solar eclipse and they were doing a yoga in that holy place. But then the gopis grabbed the reins and pulled the chariot back to Vrindavan. And now Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was doing it. He was pulling Krishna back to Vrindavan. So it is described. And it's interesting, a little flashback. <clears throat> Let us jump to the Chaitanya Mangal, another late biography of Lokshan Das Thakur, which is basically a song, and he's basically put the, uh, he put the Chaitanya Bhagavad on music and simplified it so that people could sing it. Right? They could sing all these pastimes. That was the and he, he begins, and there's something unique in the beginning, and he describes how Rukmini comes to Krishna. And, well, I don't know if you're familiar with Bhagavatam pastime, but, you know, there is a point, there is a discussion between Krishna and Rukmini, and she's serving him with so much love and dedication. And then Krishna is saying that actually he's not qualified. He's not qualified to be with her because she is so exalted and so dedicated and so pure and her love is so elevated that Krishna feels he's not qualified to be with her. This is the Bhagavatam. So then Romini gets very upset because she thinks, you know, I mean, the way he's talking now, it sounds as if he's leaving, as he's getting ready to go. So she's crying. So now the Chaitanya Mahalo, there's a description. And Rukmini comes to Krishna. And she's crying. 
So Krishna says, Rukmini, it was a joke. Did you still not get over this now? Come on, you know. I mean, really, I was just joking. You know what I mean? Uh, stop crying. She says, no. What do you mean I don't understand? I am the Supreme Personality of God. I'm omniscient. There's, you know, I'm not omniscient. Is there anything I don't understand? She said, you really don't understand. She says, you don't understand how
Haskins, bear with me, push many buttons, here it is, a touch screen, probably knows what lives on a touch screen. God made Krishna protect all of us. Made a coronavirus protect us. So, in the Antyalila, there is a description of a, a drama that was written by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, by uh, Rupa Goswami. Rupa Goswami is the empowered personality and who understands the internal mood of, uh, of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Rupa Goswami writes a drama drama, we get an idea of the intensity of the love that Srimad Radharani feels for Krishna. That's what it's about, really. It's, it's, it's a drama that describes the internal experiences of Srimad Radharani, not so much Radha and Krishna meet and they do a rasa dance and so on. That's not so much the essence of it. The essence of it is the internal feeling. Now, this play is called the Vidakta Madhava. And this Vidakta Madhava is being discussed here in the first um, <coughs> in the first chapter, and I'm just getting to the beginning. So, it's two dramas, one of the pastimes of Krishna in Vrindavan and another drama of the pastimes of Krishna outside of Vrindavan. And, um, yes. So, one verse now. My dear friend, now I've met my very old and dear friend, Krishna, on this field of Kurukshetra. I am the same Radharani, and now we are meeting together. It's very pleasant, but I would still like to go to the bank of the Yamuna, beneath the trees of the forest. I wish to hear the vibration of his sweet flute 
playing the fifth note within that forest of Vrindavan. So what is this about? This is about worshipping Krishna, freed from all the opulence. In Dwarka, Krishna has 16,108 wives and palaces for each one of them. There's no electric light and it's not needed either because there are so many jewels in the walls that the whole room is lit up at night. Imagine, a few candles and what an atmosphere. All the jewels reflect the light and the entire room lit up very beautifully. How can we understand? And when Krishna steps out of these palaces on the street, then all the Krishnas become one. That is Dwarka. There Krishna is showing his opulences. He is the unlimited Supreme Lord, the one who is Parameshwar. But when you deal with the unlimited Supreme Lord, who are we? Difficult to have a relationship with him. Difficult. Imagine. I'll give you the simple example of an ant. Imagine you have a pet, an ant. Nickname Auntie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, auntie, Auntie, come, 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 come. For you. Sugar, sugar. Come, come. Uh, auntie is coming. And uh, and then, but not only auntie, there's so many ants coming to God, which one is it, you know? It's like, is that auntie or is that auntie? It's hard to figure it out. And when you want to sort of pet auntie, oops, just broke a leg. Anyway, she has many. <laughs> what are you going to do? It's like, it's impossible. We're too big. Aunt is too small. It's, it's not possible to enter into a relationship. You know, a dog... Maybe sort of like, you know, a big dame, you know, like, you know, a little one, just like a baby, sort of like, you know, <laughs> chihuahua. I mean, you know, you can kind of relate. How can you relate to an ant? So, when we look at the greatness of God, the, the gap between the great God and the tiny little, little entity, living entity, it's much greater than that between human being and ant, you see. So how is it possible to have a real relationship? That is the point. But, ah, uh, we're not dealing with that. That is all forgotten now. We're dealing with Krishna, the Supreme Lord, in a human form, who is his human exchange, and who limits himself to that who allows Yoga Maya, his own energy, to cover him so that he also doesn't know. He doesn't know what, what Radharani thinks or feels. He doesn't, he's not sure. He's not sure if she's pacified or still upset. He doesn't know. He's in anxiety. His emotions are real. So now Radharani is saying, yes, and he is in Dwarka, in, in, in unmatched opulence, befitting the Supreme Lord, but there he's distant. 
very distant. When we look at Krishna with his opulence, when we look at God with his opulence, he's distant. Therefore, we're looking at Krishna in Vrindavan, where he's a coward boy, where he is simple, where he is approachable, and where he is just like everyone else, and yet like no one else. But living with everyone else, very closely and intimately, on an equal level, that is Vrindavan. So this is theme of Rupa Goswami's play when we see how Radharani is desiring to take to take Krishna back to Vrindavan. Many amazing verses are there. Uh, at one point, okay, Vidakta Madhava in a nutshell. I'll just tell it to you. Vidakta Madhava in a nutshell. Uh, is basically this. Krishna is walking in the forest with his friend Sridham and Madhavangal, who is Sridham is the brother of Radharani. Madhavangal is a joker. You always have such people. You know, <laughs> they are just when you see them you already start laughing. And <laughs> natural funny people. You know what I mean? That's not about he's just naturally funny. And so Madhavangal's there, whatever he does is funny. And meanwhile, Radharani is in the other part of the forest and she's with Vishaka. And Radharani is experiencing separation from previous association with Krishna and remembrance of Krishna. But Vishaka is trying to relieve this separation. She draws a picture of Krishna. Now the result is, is that Radharani becomes immediately attached to that picture as much as to the remembrance of the person before. Now she's double separation. <laughs> it's worse, it became twice as bad. Meanwhile, Krishna is also in the forest. Krishna is also in the forest, and he's with Sridham. And Madhavangal, and he says, Oh, Sridham, isn't it that Simata Radharani is the most beautiful girl in the entire universe? <laughs> it's his sister. <laughs> okay. I mean, oh, uh, so Krishna is acting as if he is in control, but he is not. He can only think of Radharani. At one point, Radharani is so overwhelmed with separation from Krishna. With Kumkum, she writes Krishna on a leaf in the forest. When Krishna comes at that part of the forest and sees his name there on the leaf, Krishna blows his flute. And when Radharani hears this flute, it pierces her heart and she goes totally mad. Now, and she says, I have simultaneously become attached to three personalities. I'm doomed for this. So I'd better die. And Vishanka says, they are one and the same. And Radharani goes, one and the same? You mean the person I remember, the person with the picture, and the person playing the flute? One and the same? Her love is so overwhelming, so intense, so... 
what's in the forefront of her whole being experience that she becomes so absorbed in the moment she forgets the other and in this way starts to think she's attached to three persons at the same time. This is the love that she did tell me what This Krishna consciousness is not casual, it is not religion, it is the deepest ecstasy and it is all spelled out in the life and pastimes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which are expertly presented by Krishna's congregation, who presents, who presents also the philosophy of Krishna consciousness. The next few chapters are all about Vaishnav behavior. Because when we took it so high, we got to go back down and say, yes, but if you want to get there, you first have to behave like a saintly person. So in this way, many chapters, and then you go again in some more ecstatic pastimes. When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu mistakes is the ocean for the Amuna and just jumps in, someone gets <coughs> saved. This was fantastic, Maharaj. Thank you. How do we go from our present stage of regulated bhakti, vaidhi bhakti, to this stage of divine madness? How do we bridge the gap? What's the way we can someday get there? Okay, I'll show you my hand. Right? And you can see one finger goes up. <coughs> One finger goes down. Those who don't have glasses, just take it from me. That's what I'm doing. Uh, you know, one finger up, one finger down. 
next year. So, CC So these two fingers are representing how it works. One finger is for us reaching upward in our attempt to, uh, to purify ourselves, to connect, to penetrate, to enter deeply into this transcendental knowledge. The other finger for the initiative of Krishna himself, the, of Krishna Chaitanya, uh, who is making all kinds of arrangements for us to become elevated. Uh, in the end, uh, it is always the combination of these two, but in the end, obviously, he is more powerful than we are. So in the end, it is by mercy. It is by mercy only that we'll bridge the gap. Uh, we can help it a little bit Compared to the river Ganges in Mayapur, have you been? Did you go in? Or just your toe? Or a few drops on land? No. You go in the water. Uh, if you go along the side, you have to walk through the water and push your body through the water. If you go deeper, if you go deeper than that, oh, oh, the current, oh, watch out, oh, oh, before you know it, Swami Maharaj Ki Jai.